1: Welcome to another episode of New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares. I'm your host. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. My job is to move about the world, helping lawyers use technology better. And my guest also has that same job. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment. But before we get started, I, of course, want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 answer one or online at answerone.com. That's www.answerthenumberone.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at Clio.com, and that's C L I O.com. Of course, I want to make sure and thank Perfect It. They are a legal specific proofreading software that locates mistakes that neither spell check nor the most eagle eyed lawyer can find. Try Perfect It free from IntelligentEditing.com and make sure you enter new solo as the discount code and get yourself a little discount on that. Unbundled Attorney is a premium lead generation service that delivers exclusive leads directly to your inbox in real time. If you're looking to get more leads and grow your practice, visit unbundledattorney.com today. So, we're going to do another Technology Highwire Act today. If you're a regular listener to New Solo, typically we just have a regular podcast that we do. And my partner, Alan McKenzie, and I, a couple episodes ago, decided we wanted to do Uh, at a video recording to talk about Microsoft Word. It was a bit of a high wire act, but I think we pulled it off and we got lots of nice feedback on it. And we wanted to do another one, so that's what we're going to do. This is hopefully going to be another video recording. If all goes well, you'll find the link to the video on the show pages at uh, LegalTalkNetwork.com. So what we're going to talk about today is a very sexy and exciting topic, and I have a sexy and exciting guest. We're going to talk about Table of Authorities in Microsoft Word, right, Deborah? Oh, right, and that's a very (laughs) sexy and exciting topic. (laughs) You know, uh, so Deborah, please introduce yourself. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time. Tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, I'm I'm really
2: jazzed to be here. I am the blogger-in-chief over at LegalOfficeGuru.com, and what I do over there is to teach lawyers and legal staff how to use Microsoft Office in a way that uh, helps them move their law practice forward and gets things done more efficiently. So I've been in the legal field probably over 20 years in various positions, a legal assistant, paralegal technology trainer, have spent some time in in corporate America as a technology trainer. And so I bring that sort of peculiar bit of mixed experience between legal and technology to what I do at LegalOfficeGuru.com.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I'm one of your biggest fans. I love your tips. I get your newsletter. I get everything you put out there. And one of the things that I actually, so we do the same thing in the real world, right? We go out, we help lawyers, like I said, use technology better. And when we do training, when Alan and I do training on Table of Authorities, we always send a link to your, and let me put this in the video real quick, to your guide on, you call it the Table of Authorities, the ultimate guide. And if you're listening to this, you can find it on LegalOfficeGuru.com forward slash table dash of dash authorities dash ultimate dash guide. And I'm sure there's a link somehow if you just Google it to find it, but this is such a very valuable resource. And I know that what we're going to do now is talk about table of authorities and go through your tips one by one, Deborah. So you sent me a typical training document that you would use that I've got pulled up for those of you who are going to be able to watch this through the video. We're actually going to work our way through all of Deborah's tips, but we'll also be very conscious and cognizant of clearly describing what it is we're talking about when we do this so that if you happen just to be listening, that hopefully if you're familiar with Table of Authorities or at least familiar with Word, you can sort of visually figure out how this works. Because the truth is Table of Authorities are actually kind of easy they have not changed much over the years, right, Deborah? We haven't really seen the development of Table of Authorities much. Truly, truly. It hasn't changed all that much and it hasn't really gotten that much better, frankly. Yeah, yeah, it's a little hard to, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's too hard. I mean, I feel like people get confused until they sit through a training class and then everything becomes really clear. So yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it's one of those features that people use just often enough to be frustrated with it,
2: but not often enough to really master it, to really become adept with it. And I think that's the problem with, with table of authorities. It's one of those things that unless you're in a really heavy appellate practice or your trial courts actually require this, you touch it just enough to be really angry with it, uh, yeah. but not enough, to be, <laughs> not enough to really get good at it.
1: Great. So, and you're right. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And then there's all these little nuances that you should know and understand. So why don't we dive into just where do you find the ability to automatically create a table of contents in Word? Oh, and we should say one more thing. We're going to do this in Microsoft Word on the PC. It's not that different on the Mac side, but of course you've gotta sort of figure your way through some of the changes, but the tips and the suggestions are likely gonna be the same. And again, if there's a big outcry for the Mac version of this recording and podcast, we'll happily do it. But for now, everyone listening, just so you know, we are doing this on a PC and I happen to be in Word 2016. So I'm gonna start by clicking on the the references tab. So under the references tab where you find table of contents, footnotes, research, citations, captions, index, all the way to the far right is a section of the ribbon titled table of authorities. So Deborah, when you're talking to people, once you get them here to the ribbon where they're looking at the table of authorities section, what's the first thing you tell them about the buttons that are on there?
2: Well, before we even get to the buttons, a couple of things that I try to cover with people is to make sure number one, that your major editing has been completed
1: Mm, before you
2: start marking this. Because if you're moving major sections of text around, you could separate the codes that we're going to go over in a moment from the actual citations, and you can really screw this up royally. Uh, The second thing that I tend to tell people is if you're going to work with this, and we'll get to this in a moment, you want to turn on the hidden text because the Mm -hmm. codes that Microsoft Word actually uses to mark these particular citations are hidden text, And you want to be able to see them so that while you're working with it, you want to make sure that you're doing things correctly. Excellent. But getting
1: back to the marking the citations... So wait, I'll go ahead and do that just in case mm -hmm. we should talk about that because a lot of times people don't know um, how to show those codes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to the home button and Mm -hmm. I'm going to look for the pilcrow, the paragraph symbol that we're used to seeing sometimes in legal on the ribbon. So for those of you who open up Microsoft Word on a blank document sometimes and you see that paragraph symbol and you don't know why it's there and then you start typing and you see the spaces, it's because your show Let me see what it actually says. I'm going to read it to you. It says show slash hide. And then (laughs) if you hover over it, if that button is depressed, it's going to show you those non-printing characters, paragraph marks, and other formatting symbols. But what Deborah is suggesting is turn that on during this process. Even if you hate it, it's going to be very helpful in making sure that you aren't troubled by some of these nuances that we're dealing with with table of authorities. So I'm going to click that on. And then again, for those of you watching the video, you're gonna see that now I can see paragraph symbols and I can see a little dot between words where the space bar was hit. So now we've done that, Deborah. My major editing is complete and now I'm gonna go back over to References and I'm looking at the Table of Authorities section of the ribbon. Okay.
2: The basic steps of dealing with this are are this. You're going to select the citation that you want to mark. You're going to click that Mark Citation button on the References tab in that Table of Authority section. And a dialog box will pop up that will show you the choices that you have and allow you to edit the finer points of that and put that in the correct section and mark that citation. Now, as you're marking citations, the first instance of any particular citation you're going to mark in one way, and then the second and subsequent citations you're going to mark in a slightly different way. But we'll go over that as we we get into those.
1: Okay. Do you want me to start right here? So I've got um, a citation, a federal citation. Is this the first one? I hope I did sure. this one. Yep. Sure, okay. go ahead. So I'm simply gonna highlight from beginning to end everything that I want to go into the table, right? So I've gone from mm-hmm. the Fed, R, App, P, bunch of numbers, close per in, but I'm not picking up the period because that citation happens to be at the end of the sentence, right?
2: Right, right.
1: Otherwise, if I picked up that period, it would get pulled into the table of authorities. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've highlighted my first citation. Yeah, in the References tab in that table of
2: authorities area, you're going to click that Mark Citation button.
1: Great. And if you're a keyboard person, I want to remind everyone that when you hover over any button in Microsoft Word, actually most programs, if you just place your mouse on top of it, if there is a keyboard shortcut that you can use, it will show it to you. So if you are a keyboard person, you could at this time press Alt Shift and I, which is hard to kind of do all at once, but you would press Alt Shift I together and it would produce the same result as my clicking on the Mark Citation button, which is, it's going to pop up a dialog box that says Mark Citation.
2: Okay, so in the Mark Citation dialog box, what you're seeing, first of all, is the text that you've actually selected there. Mm-hmm. Down underneath that, you're seeing something called category. Now, for this particular citation, you would probably want to choose a different category, say maybe statutes.
1: Mm-hmm. So the category is when the table of authority gets created, it's going to break down cases versus statutes versus rules versus regulations, and we can't get into it now, but you can even make up your own. So if I were to scroll down here, I might, I'll see a number eight, number nine. And that's for, if you wanted to include a a web citation, like something from Google maybe, Google Scholar. You can even make up your own. Now that's an advanced move that we can't get into, but I do wanna make it clear, or at least say out loud, that you don't have to stick to the categories that are given to us in case there's a citation that doesn't fit inside those categories. All right, so we talked about selected text, that's the first part, and then we select a category, which is basically what type of citation this is. And then this section, Deborah, on short citation, it really confuses people. So what exactly mm-hmm. is the short citation? The short citation is going to be the form
2: that's going to be used for the second and subsequent citations throughout the brief. So if you, particularly if someone is being very, very consistent about the way that they Mm -hmm. reference a case in the rest of the brief, you could edit that in that particular box and signify that as the short citation form. So you notice that there are several of them that are listed down here and they're They're not really short citations in here, but this is when we get to the point where we're marking a subsequent citation of something, this is going to become important. So that is how we're going to signify the second subsequence.
1: Right. And I think what I like to remind people of is sometimes you'll get into a pleading that several people have worked on. And there's the way the citation was typed out the very first time it appears, and then the next person that works on the document might use the subsequent or short citation, they might mark it or, excuse me, type it in a little bit differently than the third person. So it's one of these tools that even though it's automated and it helps, a human really still has to um, sort of review and keep a close eye on what they're doing. So in this case, do you think I would shorten this citation or leave it with all those subsequent sections of the citation the citation? here? I'm not really an expert on blue book Uh, Book format,
2: but but I generally tend to leave it. uh, And then if you have, like I said, if you have someone who's very consistent about that short citation, then you can use that. Great.
1: Now to the right of the dialogue box, we've got a bunch of options. Next citation, mark, mark all, category with the ellipsis, dot, 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 which goes back to the point we were making earlier that if you want to define your own category, you would click on that button. So what we've done so far is we've highlighted the text, We've clicked the Mark Citation dialog box. We've confirmed that where it says selected text is actually the text that we want to go into the table of authorities. We could edit in that box that says selected text if we accidentally picked up that period or any other little piece of the citation that we don't want. We selected our category, and then we took a look at the short citation and edit or not edit, depending on your familiarity with the way citations are marked throughout the rest, that same citation is marked throughout the rest of the document. So I would assume, Deborah, that now I press mark, or can I go crazy and say mark all? And would it find all the instances where this citation was used in the document?
2: If the short citation form is consistent throughout the document, then it should find it using the
1: mark all. I tend not to trust it. Frankly, Me too. You know what? I, I tell people the same thing. I tell them you can hit that button, but you better review it.
2: <laughs> I mean, I actually go to the extent of printing out the brief twice and sitting down with another human being and calling out cases and page numbers. I mean, that's how old school <laughs> I do it. Because I don't oh trust gosh. the software, you know.
1: Trust it a little so. bit, people. Let's not get that crazy. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to click mark at this point and the single mark because. Like we said, unless you are the only person that has worked on this entire brief, and you know that throughout the rest of that document, you created a short citation exactly the same way as you did in this short citation example, then I would suggest going with Mark. So I'm just going to click Mark. Great, and so now because we turned on our codes, because we turned on the show hide, now what I'm looking at looks kind of funky. And if you're not familiar Mm -hmm. with this in Word, you'll get used to it, don't panic. But what I see is my citation, and then I see some code that has been inserted, and it's got the squiggly parens, and then it says TA forward slash one. Then inside of quotes, it has the exact text that I had highlighted. Then there's a forward slash S, And then again, the exact text that I had highlighted because I didn't bother to modify the short citation in this example. So, Deborah, do you want to break down at all the code and what what it's telling people when they see it?
2: Yeah. Between those two curly brackets, what you're seeing, like, uh, like Adriana said, you see a TA, which stands for the Table of Authorities Code. And then you're seeing, because this is the first instance of this particular citation in this particular brief... What we're seeing between those two curly brackets is the long citation form. This is saying, okay, here's our first marker for this particular case or authority. And you see the TA, and then you see slash L. And then in quotes, it's the long form of the citation. And then after that, it's slash S, and that is the short form of the citation, which is something that's going to be important because that's how the subsequent instances of that citation are going to relate back to the long citation to make sure that all the page numbers for a particular case or other authority are going to line up on the same entry. So and essentially,
1: the, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Deborah. I just want to not lose this point. So essentially, the backward slash L that you see in the code is equal to selected text in the mark citation dialog box, and then the forward slash S that you see would be equal to whatever the short citation would or should be throughout the rest of the document.
2: Correct, correct. Okay. Now, the next thing you see after that short citation is slash C and then the number two. And if you go back to that Mark Citation Dialogue box in the middle there where it says Category, if you drop that down, you notice that Statutes, which is what we chose, is actually the second category mm-hmm. in that list. And that's how Word is keeping up with what section to place this particular citation in. Those first seven sections or actually sort of predetermined by Microsoft Word, and then you have up to, you know, between 8 and 15, you can actually designate your own. But that slash C2 is actually what is going to put that FedR app Mm -hmm. procedure into the statutes section of the Table of Authorities.
1: Yeah, that's great. So it's actually very easy to understand what that code is once you walk through it and, and you know get this figured out. All right, so great. So we've marked it for the first time. Let's go mark one more, just for the sake of marking a second one. Is there a way that I could tell Word automatically, hey, go find the next time that a, a citation appears? Or do I have to scroll through manually all the time? I have not been a, a
2: big fan of using the next citation button in that mark citation dialog box.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
2: But it does a lot of times find the next citation in the in the brief. It looks for particular markers of things uh, that it recognizes as as some sort of authority. So if you click on mark citation again on the references Mm -hmm. tab and, and use that next citation, it'll probably find the next citation in the brief.
1: Yeah, and I have had some funny instances where it looks for, let me see if I can remember, a V dot, an id, mm-hmm. array, and if for some reason you're using any of that outside of a citation, it'll stop, but you would just ignore it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: anyway, again, it's one of those things, sort of like the mark all option. You know, go ahead and try it, but just be sure that you as the human is going to go through and and visually make sure that it's not missed anything. I think the way you talked about doing it, Deborah, maybe for me not necessarily printing it, but really going through and making sure all the citations have been caught is going to be very helpful. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to scroll through and find the next one. I should have just left it. Maybe I'll just, just for the sake of this, of speed here, I'm going to say, and you're more familiar with your document. If I've missed one, you just tell me. Probably if you go down to about page
2: 15 now, let's see.
1: I'm around there. I should find another one real quick. Okay, here's a good one. All right, so again, I've got a citation here. So I'm going to highlight it, and I'm going to close that Mark Citation Dialogue box. Although, let me say this out loud. You don't have to close the Mark Citation Dialogue box every time you want to mark a new citation. You can leave it open. Just know that the clicking behind the document uh, or clicking on the document, sometimes you have to click twice to actually just get behind the mark citation dialog box, but it'll stay there. Or if you're not going through top to bottom marking citations, then you can easily close it. And remember that you can always click the mark citation button, or you can hit alt shift I. So I'm going to, I found my next citation and I'm going to highlight again, as Deborah told us to do, I'm going to highlight that citation. And I'm just going to click mark citation. And this becomes an exercise in wash, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got that mark citation dialog box that has popped back up. It's showing me my selected text. Um, so this says Gupta v. Florida Board of Regents. A lot of times what you might edit out of here are the extra pages. But if you just want to leave it as is, then you're looking at the selected text that will go to the table of authorities. I'm going to do the same thing and change My category, because it's stuck to statutes, but this is a case. So I'm gonna let my table of authorities builder know that this is actually gonna be a case. So that should be uh, category one based on what we learned a few minutes ago. And then I'm really gonna shorten this one because this one's really long. Mm -hmm. So now in this example, where we've got short citation, I'm gonna back it on out all the way to maybe someone called it just Gupta. Maybe they used Gupta V in the whole thing. However they refer to it, Again, as Deborah suggested, if there's consistency throughout, then this is very helpful. But if there's not, then, you know, you're still going to have to mark it a second time. So I'm going to go ahead and edit that short citation just for training purposes. Click the mark button. And I've now marked my second citation. So Deborah, let me stop real quick and we're going to take just a quick break and hear a couple messages message from our sponsors. And when we get back, the next thing we're going to do is mark subsequent citation and go from there. We'll be right back. Imagine how much faster you could work if you spent less time proofreading. Almost every lawyer wastes hours each week proofreading rather than producing legal work. With Perfect It's American legal style, you spend less time proofreading and have more time to focus on substantive matters. It's easy to use and there's no training required. Try Perfect It for free from IntelligentEditing.com and start saving time on proofreading today. Are you a family law, immigration, or estate planning attorney looking to attract new leads and retain more clients? Join hundreds of other solos and small firms just like you who use Unbundled Attorney to receive premium, exclusive leads delivered directly into their inbox in real time. To learn more about how their lead generation services can grow your practice, subscribe to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast or visit unbundledattorney.com today. All right, we're back and we're talking tables of authorities. And so far we've done a quick review of the table of authorities section of the ribbon inside of references. We've talked a lot about the mark citation dialogue box itself. We've marked two citations just during this quick training session. And now we're going to show everyone, talk through how to mark a citation when it appears for the second or the third or the fourth time again. In your document, I'm gonna go ahead and for the purpose of just training, I'm just gonna close this dialog box. But remember, I said earlier that if you want to, you can certainly leave that dialog box open. Just note that you might have to sort of click kind of behind it. So, Deborah, I'm just gonna highlight some text here and we'll pretend that it's the second citation. Okay, so here's a citation for the second time. I'm gonna highlight it. And then, Deborah, walk me through the steps of marking the second instance of a citation or a third or a fourth.
2: Okay, now that you've got the text selected, you go back to the References tab and click on the Mark Citation button. Yep. It's going to bring up that Mark Citation dialog box again, and this procedure is going to be very slightly different. Because you're dealing with a second or subsequent citation of a particular case, what you want to do instead is underneath where it says Short Citation, you want to scroll down and find the short citation that you actually designated in the long citation code that you marked earlier. So you wanna just click on the instance of Gupta that's already there Mm -hmm. and then click mark.
1: Exactly. And oftentimes, if it is exactly the same, again, if consistency has been part of creating this document, it will find it and highlight it for you in that long list of the short citations. So it can be very helpful And it's another reason to really think about consistency throughout your document, which you want anyway. So as you can see, it actually found it and it had highlighted it for me. And then I'm just gonna click Mark. And then just for good training practice, which we both are, Deborah, talk us through the code. Now that we see it's a little bit different than the code we saw for the first citation.
2: It is, and that's because again, it's a short citation code. So this time between those curly brackets, you see the TA. And then you don't see the slash L or the slash C because those things have already been taken care of in the first marking of that particular authority. All you're going to see is the slash S and then the short form, the short citation form, which is what's going to relate that back to the original code where we marked it for the first time.
1: Yep. And that's it. And like we said, this is basically an exercise and wash, rinse, repeat at this point. You're finding your citations, you're marking them for either the first time or you're marking them for the second, the third, the fourth time, and you go through. And Deborah, do you suggest marking everything at the end? Like you said, when you're hopefully, your major editing has been complete. A lot of people, I think they do want to mark as they go along, but you already suggested that's not a great idea. Want to try and save it for the end. Absolutely, because
2: if you're still moving large blocks of text, there's a couple of risks that you you take there. Number one, you could potentially separate the TA code from the citation that it actually attaches to. And number two, you could accidentally move a short citation up above a long citation in the brief. And that's going to really mess with the table of authorities when it's generated. So, you know, if you're just tweaking language, uh, if you're at the editing stage where you're just kind of tweaking the language a little bit, it's fine to go ahead and start marking that stuff. But get past the point where you're moving things around before you really
1: start marking these. Excellent. Well, let's go and throw in a table of authorities real quick, because I don't think that we could go on too much more about marking and marking, again, the first time or subsequent times, that's a very easy exercise. So I'm gonna press Control Home to take myself to the top of the document. And just for the sake of training, we're just gonna insert that table of authorities right here at the top. So essentially what I've done is I'm putting my cursor where I want the table of authorities to go, right? Right. Okay, so I've got my cursor there, making sure it's a normal plain text. Then what do I do? Okay, you're going to go back to the References tab. Yep. And over
2: on the right, you'll see in that Table of Authorities section, Insert Table of Authorities.
1: Makes perfect sense. <laughs> okay, and so now we and get the dialog box. Right, that yeah. gives me my options. So let's walk through this, because this can be confusing too. Most of the time, if you're looking at this dialog box, you're going to have the category
2: all selected, which means basically it's going to pull in all of the categories. Because when a Table of Authorities feature... Builds a table of authorities, it's actually building several different tables. It's building one for cases, one for statutes, one for other authorities, uh-huh. et cetera. So you can actually select one or more of these, or you can simply select all. But you've got yeah. some other options on here uh, as well.
1: And the only example, I don't think I've ever seen this in practice, but the only example I could give is if you wanted all the cases to start on one page and statutes to start on a new page, I mean, you could certainly do that manually with section breaks or page breaks. But again, if you just are maybe have some specific needs, requirements, or just ticks in how you create Mm -hmm. documents, that might be why you do that. But for the most part, we just click all here. And then over, that's on the right side of the dialog box. And then over on the left, it's giving us a little print preview of what that table of authorities might look like. And that's going to change in just a second as we make some formatting changes on that dialog box below it. Uh, what is PASM? I feel like I always have to explain whether a user wants to check or uncheck the use Passum option. But I'll tell you, I say to them, do you not know what PASM means? And they'll say, no, I've never heard that. And I say, well, uncheck the box then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Some courts will actually allow you to use this if you're citing the same case over and over and over again. And there's so many numbers that, page numbers, that it just makes sense to say, look, we're citing it everywhere. You can use PASM. That's one of those things that you're going to want to check with a court clerk about. Uh, But like you said, if you don't even know what it means, probably safer to uncheck it.
1: Yeah, what I say to people is use passum equals it's freaking everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's,
2: like, it's on every page of the brief. Just get used to it, you know? Right.
1: Okay. And what about keep original formatting? That's an, so I'm going to uncheck pass them here uh, just because I think that's more practice. And I also think that's regional. I forget where mm-hmm. I've been that they use it. And again, you're right. It might be based on the court that, or the, uh, yeah, the region or the jurisdiction mm-hmm. I was in. But what about keep original formatting? What does that mean exactly?
2: Now, if you have actually italicized the case names and you want that formatting to appear in the table of authorities, you want to be sure to keep that clip checked.
1: Okay, great. Um, then I've got a choice of what my tab leader is going to look like in the actual table of authorities leading up to the page number where the first instance works. I mean, um, where, the, where all the instances are, not necessarily the first. And then what is this section on formats? From template, classic, distinctive? If I drop down that dialogue box... I can see in the preview, but explain to people who might be just listening to this audio.
2: You can actually, you can change these, these formats, but I tell you, if you're doing it from the template, what you're actually getting is the body text and the, the header text styles that are actually coming from the document itself. You probably want the table of authorities to match the rest of the document. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 90% of the time, you're probably going to want to just keep it as from template.
1: Great, and from template, again, like you described, means it's gonna use the same font and maybe the same font size, unless you've messed something up, which is a whole nother Microsoft Mm -hmm. Word training session. But Mm -hmm. um, great, so I think what I'm gonna do then, just again for the sake of training and time, I'm gonna go ahead and click okay and insert this very tiny table of authorities into our document. All right, so now I'm going to go ahead and turn off my show hide so that we can sort of, for those of you viewing this in the video can sort of see a little bit what this table of authorities would look like. So Deborah, before we go on and I ask you how we would modify this, and sometimes we need to put the citation on a different line than the year, you know, how we get very picky, um, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna take another quick break so we can hear a message from our sponsors. Imagine what you can do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's NEWSOLO10. And do that at Clio.com, C L I O.com. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. welcome back everyone we're talking about tables of authorities and so far we have mark citations we have mark subsequent citations and the last thing we did was insert the table of authorities into the document and I find that this is Deborah where we start to get a little picky about what we want table of authorities to look like so right. um, give me a couple of quick tips for some of the most common asks or issues that people complain cry or sometimes squeal with joy about. <laughs>
2: Well, first of all, one of the things that people tend to complain about is that the text wrapping is not quite to their liking. You see that third instance with the Gupta versus Florida Board of Regents, that cert denied is hanging out very, very close to the page numbers over on the right-hand side. And a lot of people don't like that. There are a couple of different ways that you could actually change that. If that's the only case that you want to change that in, you can actually do something in the long citation form itself. So if Mm -hmm. we go to that particular citation, that's on page 11.
1: Okay. So I'm actually going to go modify the code
2: for the citation you're saying? You can do that. There, Like I said, there are two different ways you can do that. One of them is more efficient than the other. But if you just have the one case that you feel like is not formatted correctly, this is a trick that uh, actually one of my readers taught me.
1: Oh, excellent. Okay.
2: Yeah. You can go over there. You put your cursor right before the cert denied within that TA Uh code. Yep and do shift enter.
1: Right, shift enter.
2: Now, you're gonna look at that and go, oh no, you've messed up my brief. You really haven't because once you turn those codes off, once you turn show hide off, that's going to be completely invisible. But if you go back up to the table of authorities and refresh it, you'll see that the line actually wraps right before the cert denied. So you're actually
1: putting in a line wrap manually. And you're doing it in the body of the document, which you could also have done it right here in the table of authorities. Like you said, I'm assuming that was going to be the second way you suggested we do it.
2: Actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't no? suggest actually doing that within the table of authorities because whenever you refresh it, uh-huh. it's going
1: to come back. Okay. So only do it in the table of authorities if you're literally about to file it.
2: Right. right.
1: <laughs> the cleaner way to do this
2: is to actually alter the styles. And you you know as well as I do that everything in Word, every piece of text that you touch in Word has a style attached to it. And yeah. there are two styles that are driving the table of authorities. One of them is for the table of authorities entry, uh, all of these that you see of the Gupta versus Florida Board of Regents, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the other one is for the section headings, like cases, for example. Sure. So if you want to change the way that these wrap, if you want them to wrap a little bit earlier in the, in the line, what I generally do, just the easiest way to me to get to those styles is to hit Shift-F1 to bring up the Reveal Formatting pane F1. over on the right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Click on one of the entries. It really doesn't matter which one. And you notice over on the left, under Paragraph, it says Paragraph Style Table of Authorities.
1: Yep, right here
2: that's the style that's actually controlling this. So if you click on that hyperlink where it says
1: paragraph style. Mm -hmm. So let's take a quick moment to describe what a style is. A style is like an easy button in Word for formatting. So if every time you write a heading, you want it to be centered, bold, all caps, underlined, you can create a style that takes those formatting, features into one easy button, because right now what you're probably doing is every time you want a heading, you're having to stop. You write statement of facts. Stop, select, bold, center, underline. Well, you can take a style, which we're not going to spend too much time on, but just to kind of whet your appetite to learn more about styles. You can say, hey, every time I need a heading. I want it to look exactly like this. And that's what styles are. So every single element of a Word document has a style. And in this case, where Deborah is pointing us to is to the styles for a table of authorities, which in this case, the easy button, so to speak, the style for table of authorities is that it's Times New Roman. If you're looking on the video, you'll see in this dialogue box that it says Times New Roman, it shows 14, and then in a box below it, it's got a few more details about the style. So I don't wanna spend too much time on this because I think it's gonna blow most people's minds. But in here, if I wanted all of my table of authorities to instead of being a size 14, be size 12, I would then click the obvious button here, Deborah. Ah, the Modify button. Modify. I want to modify or change the style from 14 to 12. So I'm going to click Modify. And I'm going to find the section where it says 14. I'm going to change it to 12. And then I'm going to click OK. And then when I click apply, if all things are working magically right, this whole table of authorities should change from 14 to 12. That is the power in styles. And since this isn't a styles class, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but I really wish that every Microsoft Word user would take some time to learn about styles because they're so powerful and they're so helpful. And here's an example of what I mean. Boom, like magic, poof. For those of you not watching the video, you didn't see that the whole table of authorities just changed from size 14 to 12, and it worked. Yeah,
2: yeah. So in that same dialog box, you could actually go to the, uh, go to modify again, and this time click on format in the lower left-hand corner. Uh Uh-huh. And go to paragraph. Mm Mm-hmm. And... The part that needs adjusting to make that text wrap a little bit sooner is over on the left-hand side in the middle. You see indentation. Yeah. If you tick up the one on the right, so it's like maybe 0.0, 0 excuse me, on the, on, the, on the left-hand side. And with the one that says right, yep. tick that up.
1: Maybe a half-inch-ish?
2: Yeah, maybe a half-inch, yeah.
1: Okay. And mm. then click, click OK there. And click OK. And then click Apply. Any of those citations that wrap on that second line are gonna indent about 0.5. It's a magical mystical thing when it just happens to work. <laughs> so, Deborah, before, you know, we we've kind of walked through very quickly how to mark a citation, mark subsequent citations, understanding the codes. Um, we've inserted the table of authorities, we've talked a little bit about how to modify some look and feels of the table of authorities. If I need to add a new citation, so this whole thing gets done, I've got my table of authorities in there and I need to update the table based on the fact that one, we put a soft return in a citation in the document or I've added new citations. What's the easiest way for me to update or refresh the table of authorities?
2: There are two ways you can do it, depending on whether you're more of a mouse person or a keyboard person. If you're a keyboard person, if you get your cursor into the table somewhere and hit the F9 button, that will actually update the Table of Authorities. And it You could also, if you're more of a a mouse person, you can right-click. Anywhere inside the Table of Authorities, you just got to click anywhere inside of it, right? And then choose Update Field from that contextual menu. Yep. And it will update
1: it then and you're off and running. What are some of the biggest issues that people, we talked about case citations wrapping awkwardly, which is one of your troubleshooting tips. And then let's see, what about incorrect citations? I see you've got a video demo to that that I encourage listeners to go and, and watchers to go and make sure they watch your... You've got a great article on your Table of Authorities Ultimate Guide. So I will, of course, point everyone to go take a look at that. It looks like you've got a video on modifying the styles that we just talked about very briefly. And don't get confused by that. Just go watch Deborah's video. Um, you've got a video on incorrect citations. And so what do you mean by incorrect citations? Well, for example, look at that second citation on that page,
2: Dudley v. Walmart Stores. Mm-hmm. You notice that has actually a pen cite in it. And that's something you do not want in a table of authorities. In other words, it has the 166F3rd, 1317, and then comma 1323. Mm-hmm. Well, in your table of authorities, you want a clean citation that doesn't have that comma 1323. So what happened was when I marked that citation for the long form, I picked up all of that text and I did not edit that out at the time that I marked it. Fortunately, I don't have to go back and remark it. I can go back to that long citation form and actually edit that code. And then when I refresh that
1: table, that pin site will be gone. So if I went to references and I, could I even do it? Do I do I have to go all the way down there or could I? Yeah, I would have to go all the way into it. Okay, I won't do it for training purposes now, but you're saying again, you would go back down into the document and edit the long citation, this quote, selected text. And then under that, you'll see the long citation and then refresh our table of contents the way we did a few minutes ago. What yeah. about um, the cases in footnotes? How do we mark those? Yeah, that's one of those little quirks. Uh, as of,
2: at least as of Microsoft Word 2010, there was a little bit of a bug where it was not picking up the citations out of the footnotes and and there is a fix for that. That's one of those things you have to get one of your IT people to actually apply. But that is, that is at least a, as of a couple of uh, versions ago, was a known bug okay. where it was not picking up citations out of footnotes.
1: And so I would have to maybe enter that one manually until the bug gets fixed or uh, you update to a later version where the bug was fixed. But it, I bet you have in your awesome article here a link to how to fix that.
2: I do. I have a link to the, the knowledge base article from Microsoft okay. that, uh, that shows what that fix is and, and how that needs to be applied. Excellent.
1: Well, um, are there any other last sort of conversational tips, tricks or suggestions that you can give everyone?
2: Well, once you get finished with checking the table of authorities, you know, we have the show hide turned on. You want to make sure before you refresh the table of authorities one more time. Make sure that you've turned that show-hide off because that is actually affecting your pagination. And you don't want to refresh right. these tables with that old show-hide pagination actually active. You want to make sure that those, those citations are actually pointing to the correct page numbers.
1: Yes, exactly. Excellent, excellent tip. Anything else that seems to always pop up when we're talking about table of authorities with folks?
2: If you've got uh, citations that are actually coming up in the wrong section, say that statute ended up in the cases section. Mm -hmm. Again, that's where you want to want to learn how these long citations are actually structured. And you can go in and edit that so that that one is appearing in in section two after that slash C instead of section one.
1: So I would go down, again, back into the document. You want for sure your show hide turned on because you need to be able to see the code in order to learn to edit the code. And I would change that. Um, What was it? It was a forward slash.
2: I would change C. Yeah, Yeah.
1: right. To S or S to. No, it was the one and the two. Sorry, sorry. It was the one and the two. Yes. So if it's in the statute section, but it should be a case, then in that code, you would change the one No, the two to the one. Anyway, it'll make sense when you go back because we just talked about it. So that's great. Those are all, I think we've hit on the most commonly asked questions and the most commonly had issues. So um, I want to thank you so much, of course, for your time, Deborah. But before I let you go, I want to make sure that you tell everyone again how they can find, friend, follow you and where they can get that awesome article on. You used to call it... Seven mistakes of table of authorities. And that's how I always think of it. And you've really expanded on that, what I'm looking at on your um webpage. Yeah. I've actually I've actually still got that particular article, but I
2: took the I had several individual tutorials on how to mark a citation, how to mark a subsequent citation, how to insert and just put it all into that ultimate guide. So that was what I was attempting to do there. But I've got a particular category of posts that all deal with Table of Authorities, if you go to my site, legalofficeguru.com, and scroll down on the right, there is something called popular categories. Oh, and top of your list. Everything that's in Table of Authorities is going to be listed under that tag, rather. Excellent. And each of those those posts. Oh, yeah. Actually,
1: (laughs) here it it. is Seven Ways to
2: Screw Up a Table of Authorities. I love that. And if particularly if you, there's another one where if you like to recycle brief text that's got TOA markup in it, uh-huh. you're going to want to to read the article on how to recycle your legal brief safely because that's, oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. that's something that, uh, that people do a lot. Yeah. But at the end of any of these articles is an opportunity to download something that I call my 10-step pre-published checklist, which is 10 steps for checking your brief and checking your table of authorities to make sure that you're ready to print or PDF it before it goes excellent. off.
1: Oh, well, that's great. This is going to be a very valuable resource. Hope we get you some clicks over there. And then tell everyone again uh, your name and where they can find you on any of the popular or unpopular social media sites and how they can get in touch with you.
2: You can always find me at LegalOfficeGuru.com. And I'm also on Twitter
1: at at LegalOfficeGuru. And your website, oh yeah, we already said it, LegalOfficeGuru.com, and then um, the Table of Authorities section, you're right, is easy to find if you just go into the category section there. Well, Deborah, I can't thank you enough for your time. This has been very valuable. I hope this helps a lot of people out there, and we clear up a lot of mysteries about Table of Authorities, and I'm sure you don't mind if someone emails you or contacts you on your website with any other weird questions. might turn into a blog post for you.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. If they want to email me, I can, you can email me at info at LegalOfficeGuru.com.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. That brings us to the end of another great episode of New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares. Of course, thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time. And remember, you're not alone. You're a new solo. One last thing. If you enjoyed this podcast, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a good review for us. It really helps us and it's very much appreciated.